Hey now, we're doing it live. You're listening to the Julio from New York Show 2.0, episode 120. Maxi Climber is a workout. Recorded live on Friday, January 17th, 2020. This here is my audio diaries where I rant, I rave, I reminisce, and I spew whatever is on my mind. If there's your cup of tea, by all means, sit back, relax, and unwind. Otherwise, there are plenty of podcasts for you to listen to. Today's episode is about the title, The Maxi Climber Workout. There's going to be a news chunk and a movie chunk and a couple of more things. So it should be a good episode. I'm looking forward to it. Heart and soul of New York City. So yeah, as soon as the music stops, we'll get right on it. And welcome back to the show. Once again, I am your host, Julio from New York. This is episode 120, recorded live on Friday, January 17th. So welcome back. And as the title suggests, the Maxi Climber is a workout. And so I have been using it. I've used it for two days this week, and then I've worked the last two. So today's Friday, so Thursday and Wednesday, I went to the the job. So after the previous episode, I did not use it on the weekend because, of course, I had to work. Um, So I used it on Monday and Tuesday. And I really felt the um, after effects. <laughs> I've only I only did a ten minute session both days, and on the first day was to try it out, but I did ten minutes, and then the second day I did it, but I also added a couple of um things like you know, a set of push ups, a set of planks, and I did um I did a uh, burpees or squat thrusts. I think is what they call them. Is what I used to call them growing up. So, so I, I got a good workout and then the two days at work, I could barely walk it. My thighs were just constantly hurting. They were in constant pain. I, uh, I couldn't go down the stairs. That, that was where, when it was most painful going down the stairs was just constantly a constant jolt of like spasms on my thighs as I, cause I couldn't go, I could go up the stairs with relative ease, but going down was, a, was a bit of a, uh, <laughs> of a struggle. I definitely could not go down fast because uh, like I normally do, because I could usually just zip down the stairs almost like at a sprint, but that was not happening the way my legs were, were just flame, uh, inflamed. Also like walking regularly during the, at, at work, like I, I, I normally zip, you know, in and out back and forth and so forth between customers and, you know, doing my job. But I, I, ha- I walked, I had a gate to my walk. It was, it was a struggle because I, I couldn't really, my legs couldn't flex. They were, they were stressing. I feel a lot better today. I haven't had a chance to use the Maxi Climber. I will probably use it tonight after this recording. And um, yeah, it was just, it was, a, I mean, I hope to see results in a few weeks, but so far I can only do 10 minute sessions. That is my, that is my, uh, my limit right now with this machine. Secondly, I just I'm currently using a, this thing called Upright Go To. It's a device that's supposed to help you with your posture, and so I'm testing it out today. I've been wearing it for about an hour so far, and 
my uprightness isn't good right now. It's at 37%, you know, good posture and 63% bad, but I've only been wearing it for a total of like two hours right now. And in a 30 minute chunk of that time I was eating. So you're, I bend over, I slouch over my meal when I'm eating, you know, I guess, cause I eat fast. Cause I don't know how you can eat in, a, in an upright position without like messing up your clothes. So there's that. I, I guess I have to learn to eat with an upright position, but anyway, this is supposed to improve your posture and I'm testing it out. And you know, today's day one. And so we shall see how that works. If it, my posture does indeed improve, uh, along with, uh, well, along with the other thing I'm doing fitness wise, which is uh, the maxi climber. And hopefully I'll be able to increase my, my reps from the 10 minute mark to like 30 minutes and, you know, keep moving it up steadily. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my intro. That's my monologue, if you will, I guess, if we're going to put it, the, if we're going to use like the talk show, uh, what's the word talk show format, but anyways, on to the news. All right. So as you know, this past week, we had the final Democratic debate before the Iowa caucus, which is going to happen in a few weeks, and I believe in February. Uh, we're almost there. So this was supposed to be a critical debate for uh, the remaining candidates. So, uh, this debate only had five of them. You had uh, Bernie Sanders, of course. You had your Elizabeth Warren. You had uh, Tom Steyer, the, uh, the billionaire who's paying his way in. You had, uh, who else? Uh, Joe Biden, of course. How could I forget Joseph Biden? And of course, you had Amy, oh, wow, there's six of them. Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. So Pete Buttigieg, Amy, Joe, Tom, Bernie, and Elizabeth. So six candidates. I don't know why they said five when it was six. But anyways, so you had these six. And the day before the debate, which is what, what I'm most disappointed by, the Elizabeth Warren campaign released a, a memo or they reported to CNN an unverifiable story that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren had a private luncheon or dinner or whatever. They had a private meal together and Bernie apparently told, allegedly told Elizabeth Warren that he doesn't believe a woman could run for president. And so they're trying to make this feminist spear, a uh, smear, I should say, not spear, a feminist smear, or in this case, a libel or a slander against Bernie Sanders' good name. Now, if Bernie was really such a sexist as they're trying to portray him, why would have Bernie Sanders gone to Elizabeth Warren four years ago in 2016 and ask her to run as the Democratic nominee for the presidency at that time when only the only option was Hillary Clinton. And then Elizabeth Warren turned it down, and so eventually Bernie Sanders decided to run against Hillary Clinton. So if he believed the woman could not run for president, why would he have done that? And the fact of the matter is he has a pretty spotless record of fighting for women's rights and believing 
in you know gender equality and all these things. I mean, he has Nina Turner running. He has mostly women running his campaign. And there's a lot of women right now that are, you know, speaking on his behalf or whatever. So they're just doing, and it's crazy because of the sexist of, of the top uh, candidates, the one is most notable for it is Joe Biden, especially when they were back in, I forget, 80s, I want to say, or early 90s, when Clarence Thomas was getting sworn in to be the justice, he had this whole sexual assault scandal going on with... Um, um, Anita, not Anita Baker. I, I'm forgetting the the person, the female's name, who accused him of this um, sexual misconduct. And uh, Biden was defending Clarence Thomas and and trying to make discredit her. So obviously he has a history of misogyny. And a few years ago, uh, there was there's even news stories where Elizabeth Warren was clashing against Joe Biden and whatever. But this time around, he's not. She's not attacking Joe Biden. She's attacking Bernie, her quote unquote good friend accusing him of misogyny and uh, portraying him as such and uh, now being competitive, combative against him during the debates, which is weird. So you have the debates and CNN asks Bernie Sander. Um, so did you in fact say this to, to Elizabeth Warren? And he of course said, no, I did not. And he went into a, you know, detail about it. But of course the, the moderator who asked the question obviously was not listening because then she asked, Oh, so, so you didn't say it. Like she repeated the question. He already answered your question as clear and concise and as upfront as you, as he could, but she still decided to repeat the question. And of course he goes again, no, I did not. And then that moderator goes to Elizabeth Warren. So when he did call you, when he did say that you could not run for, pre that a woman could not win for presidency, instead of like saying, well, he, he, what the moderator should have done because he just flat out denied this statement was to ask Elizabeth Warren. So did Bernie, did or did Bernard, Bernard Sanders not say what is allegedly being said about him that he said you could not win for presidency? Did he in fact, in fact say that? But instead they just state, basically portrayed him as a liar. So when Bernie Sanders said you could not win for president, a woman could not win presidency, what, what did you uh, think? And it was just ridiculous. Like, like it was like the, it was like the moderator was just not listening to him. He was just she was just reading the script. And Elizabeth Warren, having a chance to clear the air up, instead decided to answer the question at its face value and said, "I disagreed with that statement." Not necessarily calling him a liar, but sort of like hiding behind that shield that that's what the question is portraying him as a liar. And then so so that happened. And that that for me that's the end of. Elizabeth Warren as a candidate, as a prospect of a prospective candidate for the nominee in my, in my mind, I, I'm, I'm not going to even give her a second, a second glance. No, it's all, it's all Bernie Sanders for me. So, but also at the end of the uh, debate when, you know, everyone's shaking their hand, you know, shaking everyone's hands and goodbye. And, um, Elizabeth scurries across the, the stage towards Bernie Sanders, Bernie reaches out his hand to do the handshake and she just holds her hands like she's clutching pearls and they're they're going at it you don't hear them because you know the post music is uh is playing and apparently they're not mic'd but they're saying some stuff and then he uh he turns around and go and he uh, shakes uh, Tom Sarah's hand who's in the middle of this and then uh walks away 
Well, the following day, CNN decided to release this audio because the mics were still hot, as you call it. They, they were still recording, and they decided to hold on to this information un until this recording until the following day. And in the uh, so so the recording of that uh, faded non non handshake, Elizabeth Warren walked over to him and said, I think you called me a liar. And he's like, what? I, I think you call me a liar. And he's like, well, no, we're not going to do this right now. No, but you call me a liar. He's like, well, no, you, you call me a liar. And then, he's, and then he's like, no, you know what? We're not going to do this. And, he, and then uh, Tom Tarr is like, I, I don't want to get in the middle of this. I just want to shake your hand and say good, good game, uh, good night. And he's like, yeah, yeah, good night. And then he, and he walks away. So yeah, Elizabeth Warren is playing the politics game. She backstabbed her quote unquote good friend in the back uh, for her own success for her own uh you know ambition and this is straight out of the hillary clinton page book uh playbook and that makes sense because she does have a lot of uh, former hillary clinton aides in her campaign and so this is the kind of dirty politics that they would do and she is uh playing the game and of course cnn being cnn they they're they're eating this up that that's what they want to do they want to dramatize this because this is this is what they care about they don't want bernie sanders to be seen as a credible candidate they rather people focus on this drama like, oh, he's a sexist and oh, she's offended and oh, we should, you know, the Me Too movement and, you know, gender politics. Like, let's let's really focus on identity politics instead of, you know, actual campaign, actual policy. But anyways, despite this dirty underhanded trick by Elizabeth Warren, it hasn't phased the momentum of Bernie Bernie's campaign. He right now, according to the most recent polls, he is now number one. Uh, he's, he went ahead of Biden. Biden is number two. Uh, and uh, Elizabeth Warren is at number three. So people, I think Pete Buttigieg and um, it's either either Buttigieg and Biden are both tied for second or Biden is tied with Elizabeth Warren for third because he took a dip and Buttigieg is surging at, at number two. But Bernie is number one overall right now. And then he just got a a um an endorsement from uh, i don't know if it was the governor of minnesota or a it was some politician from from minnesota i forget the name so i am very pleased that this has not hurt bernie's momentum and and he, he's only getting better he's getting more donations in um in reaction to this uh dirty play by elizabeth elizabeth warren is still struggling in her own campaign and um yeah she deserves it she deserves what's coming to her which is negative uh maybe bernie will still throw her a bone and give her a cabinet seat because whatever uh she despite this she still is one of the better one of the better democrats out there but uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't feel bad if she got primaried when her senatorship is up for election and we get a more progress an even better progressive candidate in her position because i've screw her you know she uh tried to play dirty with uh, an honest man and uh you know what we don't need that anyways uh in more positive news feedback this is actually i wouldn't say breaking but uh today eminem dropped his new album which is called music to be murdered by i've heard to, i've heard most of it so far i haven't heard all of it because i haven't had the chance but uh i'm an eminem fan and i give it two thumbs up i'm a huge uh, i'm all for it and that is my news chunk
Okay. Now let's get on with the movies. Okay, so on to movies. These are relatively older films, so there won't be any spoiler alert warning, because if you haven't seen these films, then uh, shame on you. The first one is Revolutionary Road, um, with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, recorded by, sorry, directed by Sam Mendes. It came out in 2008, so 11, no, 12 years ago, so definitely no need for a spoiler warning. And, uh, of course, this is also the reunion of Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet playing a uh, starring in the same film and playing a couple like they did in Titanic, which came out probably a decade before this one, I believe. I think that came in 99. I don't remember. Whatever. I don't care. Never watched that movie. Don't care to. It's just not my cup of tea. Even though I'm into romance stuff, that's one that I just really do not have uh, an incentive to see. So anyway, moving on. Revolutionary Road. Let me just read the synopsis on the IMDb page. It's about a young couple living in Connecticut suburb during the mid-1950s, struggle to come to terms with their personal problems while trying to raise their two children. So a co-worker recommended this to me because he believed that I would appreciate it. He said, yeah, it's a, it's a movie about a couple, but it really is more about the psychological drama that ensues. So I was curious and... I saw it on, when did I see it? I saw it on, uh, well, after the, the night of the recording on last Friday. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of scarring. <laughs> Basically, it's about this couple. So Kate Winslet's character, she, when they meet up, she's a young starlet trying to make it as an actress. Uh, I don't know whether it, be, it was going to be movies or Broadway but she's an actor. She's an actress. That's that's what she titles herself. And he's just a dock worker, just working a blue collar job. This is the fifties. So blue collar jobs paid decent at, in those times. So anyway, they met at a party and then it fast forwards. They're apparently married. She's doing a play, uh, but it's an amateur hour play. It's done in a public school and uh, it was not well received. The audience was panning it. She's crying in the uh, green room, obviously acknowledging or, or aware how bad it, w it went. And uh, Leonardo, you know, goes backstage to try to console her. But she's not having any of it. She's fighting him. And the relationship is sort of, uh, he, she's sort of emotionally abusing him, despite his attempts to be supportive. And so... They, they go home angry. The very next day, all of a sudden, it's like a 180 degree. She's uh, trying to be happy and happy and cheerful because she looked at some old photos and she was remembering the past that they were together. And so they, you know, she's just trying to be happy or whatever and, and make things right. And then she comes up with this idea that, you know what we should do to really make our lives better? We should move to Paris. You've always said that that was the best place you've ever um, experienced. And like life there is just so much better than here in America, which is so fake. And so 
why not do that? Let's I can get the secretary job over there because in Paris apparently they pay more for a secretarial job than you currently get paid in your uh, salesman job because now he's uh, he's no longer a dock worker and at this point in time he's now a he's working in sales for some giant uh, PR firm or something. We, we they don't really get in, get into the specifics, but he was he's working in the marketing section of this uh, corporation in Manhattan, and they're living in Connecticut as as I mentioned the early synopsis. They moved, and then you find out the reason why they they went from New York City to Connecticut is because she she you know she got pregnant, she had two kids, and they figured you know raising two kids in the suburbs is better than raising them in the city because it's better living and what well, well, whatever um, it's just cheaper it's afford more affordable to live in the suburbs with the kids, so that's why they moved there. But now she's miserable because you know she can't be the actress that she wanted to be, and obviously trying to do acting gigs in that area have not panned out. So anyways, uh, she sort of convinces him. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then um, he uh, starts telling all his, they, they start telling all their friends or whatever about this, uh, this new uh, idea, this, this uh, change of heart they're having and about leaving America, moving to Paris and all that stuff. But he, she gets pregnant again. So that now is uh, sort of putting the kibosh on the plan. Not only that, but during this time, he's also getting a promotion, promotional offer to make even more money and whatever. And after her telling him that he that she's pregnant, after finding out, he's like, "Well, I, I, yeah, I need to. We need to be responsible. We got a new kid coming in. They don't believe in abortion, or at least he doesn't. She's thinking about having an abortion, and um, he's against it uh, because, well, because it's you know." In his mind, that's a living being already, and you have to be responsible. Anyways, uh, things start going south again. He's he's cheating on her, and she's cheating on him. And um, they have a big drag-out fight. Once again, she's mentally abusive towards him, emotionally abusive, I should say, and says all these things like, I hate you, and like you're just this little boy I married out of convenience, and here we are, and now I can't stand the sight of you, and things like that. And... The very next day, once again, it's that 180 degree where she is like all happy and like cheerful and like trying to paint this 1950s uh, beaver, leave it a beaver, uh, mom cleaver persona, making him breakfast and sending him all the way to his job. And of course, as he leaves and, and she also makes sure the kids are being taken babysat by another couple, uh, she goes and attempts this uh, abortion days after it was already considered on you know you ha you had this time period by by when you could do the abortion safely and so the time period has already lapsed and so Leonardo DiCaprio's character was thinking like the talk of abortion was over but not in Kate Winslet's mind so she attempts this and of course she dies uh, and the, the kid and her die in in the uh, onset and so uh, yeah that's how it that's essentially how how it ends uh, Leonardo eventually moves. To the city with the kids because he doesn't want anything to do with the house that you know brings back these horrible memories and apparently he lives the life of a good uh, a good father and the the former neighbors try to not or at least the husband because he's the one who was cheating with the uh with leonardo's wife doesn't want to hear about them anymore because it, it you know brings bad memories to him uh of her you know because he he misses her like because he apparently was obsessed he was very obsessed with her and uh, so when she finally had the affair with him he was like i love you and all this nonsense but he doesn't want to talk about that anymore he wants to 
block that memory from his mind. <laughs> and then, of course, the woman who, uh, Kathy Bates' character, who sold him the house, all of a sudden is trying to rewrite history in her mind. Like, oh, I was fond of them, but they weren't a great couple. I thought they were something weird about them. But the new couple who lives in that house, like, they're, they're the ideal couple. They deserve that house and blah, blah, blah. And it's just an, it was just a very fascinating window into that way of life in the 50s by these white suburbanites and just their perspective on life. And just another example of how the capitalistic business model that we live in or the socioeconomic capitalistic model that we live in isn't sustainable. It There's cracks to it. There's this inauthenticity to it that is not natural for the human for human nature. Like we're not meant to live these cookie cut board, cut out um, way of life. We're constantly commuting to the nine to five job, living in this idyllic, quiet picket fence house with the nuclear family of 2.5 kids and husband and wife and um, living in blandness, not pursuing pursuing any, uh, uh, I don't know, emotional, creative, intellectual pursuits. It's just constant work. Raising of the kids, work, kids, work, kids, living in this in this house and picket fence and all that nonsense. So it was a very fascinating movie, but uh, but very tragic. It was emotion. It was beautifully tragic, is what I told the guy. And we we went you know we went in depth uh, on it. I recommended him to watch In the Mood for Love. So I'm looking forward to his uh, book report on that. Um, and then the second film I watched, which which is a palate cleanser for me, uh, was the original Aladdin movie, the animated Aladdin film by Walt Disney. I am not going to dare watch the live action one with Will Smith because I, I refuse to watch these reboots of these Disney's these Walt Disney classics with live action versions. There's no there's no need for them. We already have the original animated classics. Why would we want to rewatch? Why would we want to yeah rewatch it but in live action form? I don't see the need for them. They're pointless. It's just as bad as the reboots that keep happening from old movies of the eighties. It's unnecessary. It's just a money grab. Obviously, it's working. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep doing it. But I myself, I'm making a personal choice not to watch them. Even though I have access to them with Disney+, Plus. I refuse. So anyway, I um, I saw Aladdin, the original one. The one that came out in like 92 or 94. I, for, I forget the date. Yeah, you know what? I can look it up. Why not? Why not? Let me look it up. IMDb, Aladdin... Uh, Nope, not 1992. So the original one came out in 1992 with Robin Williams playing the genie and um, Gilbert Gottfried playing the parrot Iago uh, for Jafar. And it was as good as I remembered. I loved it. It was beautiful. It was romantic. It was cute. You know, it was a Walt Disney movie. It was perfect. And it was a good palate cleanser. I felt good at the end of it. And... Um, I really have nothing more to say. I mean, I'm sure everyone has seen this film already. It's it's there's not much to say about Aladdin other than it's a fun movie. It's definitely worth worth a uh, worthy of a rewatch. And um, yeah, I'm glad I watched that to clean out the 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 tra the trauma of watching Revolutionary Road. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's it for the movie chunk. And that's all I have for today. If you have any questions, comments, what have you, you can always reach me at 
Julio from New York show.com. Go to the contact section of the webpage and email me there. Or you can find me on Twitter at Julio from NY. So until next time, thank you for listening.